following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. They'll know you've arrived when you drive up in the 1958 Edsel, the car that's truly new from nameplate to taillights. Now your host, Walt Disney. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to that tip-top terrific and splendidly prolific waltz down memory lane, the Mid-Modcast. And here are your Mid-Modcasters, Craig, Paula, and Dave. Hey, thank you, Alan Marsh, for that wonderful introduction. We're back! Woo! It's finally! <laughs> been a long time. Aw, uh, did you miss us? I missed us. I did, too. I missed us, too, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. The three amigos. Well, there was some Together. important business to be taken care of. First, there was our trip to Hawaii, Las Vegas, and California for three weeks, and then... Dave had to go and do something kind of similar. And, yeah, the, uh, the the Fritz's road trip down to uh, the West Coast as well. We spent two weeks in California and Arizona. Yeah, oh, yeah, man. but it, he couldn't go when we went. Yeah, I know. We didn't overlap after we went. <laughs> we were only in San Diego for like three days, and then we. Oh, nice. saw family in Las Vegas on the way back from Hawaii, and then we came home. And then we had company this last week. I tell you, living on East Coast time, Hawaii is quite the arduous trip now. I mean, it's six oh. time zones away. That's It really a, messes yes. you up when you wow. come back east again. Oh, you know, yeah, like, man. Yeah. Uh, it takes yeah. you a week to get back on your Yeah, game. that was like a trip to Europe, except we spent the night in uh, Oakland, California. On the way there. On yeah. the way there, yeah. And so, but yeah, that was quite a jet lag experience, especially coming home. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's not pretty. So I haven't had a cold for like two years. And I go to <laughs> Maui and I get a cold. Well, yeah, the like heck? the fourth what day. What the heck is that all about? But it didn't stop me. It just kept me from snorkeling, basically. Yeah, we didn't go to the beach as much as we normally yeah. do. But it was still fun. But then we went to Oahu for a week, and that was fun. Yes. Hey, Dave, did you do anything cool, mid-modi, kitschy on your, on your trip out to California? Yeah, do share. I was just about to ask you guys uh, the <laughs> same question. But, um, yeah, so on the way out, and, and, and by the way, we do know that air travel exists and it is relatively safe right now if you mask up and all that stuff but the boy the do roadblock, i have stories <laughs> the roadblock we ran into um once we had booked flights to to fly out to california was that um the car rental was going to be more expensive than the flights yes so, so we just decided to drive it so that's what we yeah. did so the the very first um kitschy mid mod thing that we did was uh we spent and it was kind of a two-part thing we Ooh. spent the night in san luis obispo california mm -hmm. in a former hojo's or howard johnson's oh no so way it, it the the lobby was the the a-frame lobby building was oh. still there the the shingles have been painted over so they're not bright orange anymore oh. and there wasn't that cool turquoise um highlighting but uh anyway and uh so then the very next morning we got up and we drove just a few minutes to get to the madonna inn yes oh, i know oh, as Strokes would say <laughs> yeah and let me tell you what um if you want an exercise in or a definition of what kitsch is that that is the place to go we had a really really nice breakfast there <clears throat> pardon uh, pardon me and then uh, from there, we went on to um, San Francisco and uh, went one afternoon to Emeryville, which is essentially a suburb of, of San Francisco and ate at Trader Vic's. Nice. So that oh, was and, and, and it's pretty much untouched, I think. Um, so really? it's it, a lot of it is still in its original glory. So we had uh, lunch and drinks at, uh, the, at Trader Vic's and then... Ooh. At the very end of our trip, um, there is a gem in Scottsdale, Arizona, called the Valley Ho Hotel. 
And it is, it's our favorite hotel in the world. It's the most beautiful example of mid-century modern with a modern day or contemporary twist. So it's this beautiful hotel that was built in the late 50s, 1956 by, I don't know his name offhand, but he was a, a, a protege or a student of Frank Lloyd Wright. And he built this beautiful mid-century modern hotel that eventually, like in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, was taken over by the Ramada chain. And they covered up all of this beautiful Frank Lloyd Wright-ish ornamentation throughout the hotel and made it a very, essentially very boring uh, Ramada Inn. And it was, pardon me, it was slated for demolition in the early 2000s but it was saved from the wrecking ball restored. And now it's, it's just fabulous. So if you have a special occasion, like a a wedding or an anniversary or a birthday, whatever, um, and you want to make a getaway out of it, um, definitely check out the, the Valley Ho Hotel in Scottsdale, Arizona. Well, we're going to have to do that someday. That'll be awesome. I like the name. (laughs) We didn't really do a whole lot. The locals just call it the ho. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We we didn't really do a whole lot of mid-century kind of stuff. We wanted to go to uh, La Mariana Sailing Club, but it wasn't open yet. So, but we've been there before a couple of times. But But, didn't Paula, Paula, didn't you post pictures of a luau? Yes, oh, we did, we did yeah. go to yeah. a wonderful luau in Maui yeah. um, at... The old Lahaina luau. I, I've got to say, nice. we've been to several luaus. This one was by far the best. Wow. It was really okay. amazing. If you're ever it's going to Maui, yeah. yeah, go to the old Lahaina luau. It's... it's I, I feel like we've now been to the best luau and all other luaus for here on out are just oh, kind right. of superfluous and useless. Right. It's so. pricey. But it's it is. But, you know, there was one right next to the hotel where we were staying that was ten dollars more. And it was right off the beach. And the beaches in Hawaii are all public, so they can't block off the beach. And so So we sat and (laughs) watched it. (laughs) We sat and watched the luau out on the sand and uh, people were bringing pizza and stuff. And, you know, it's, it's like all this luau crashers. But that one was actually like $10 more, and the show wasn't nearly as good. The venue wasn't nearly as good. Old Lahaina Luau is where it's at. Yeah, and the awesome. performers are faced. This was fa- facing the hotel, but in the old Lahaina Luau, the performers are facing you, and you are facing the beach as yeah. the audience. Mm-hmm. So you're looking out in this gorgeous wow. palm. It's a setting that is all there already that they had built this with the palm trees. So you get to watch the sunset as you eat, as you dine. It really is a cool venue. Oh, yeah. It, it and really you get is. anything you want to drink and anything like the food, anything, five courses. Usually oh, you nice. think of luau food as luau food. It's the same. Right. But this was gourmet, you know, oh. five course. It was almost fine. I would say almost fine dining experience. Well, and then it was we did stay food. on Oahu. Uh, we stayed at the Queen Kapiolani, which has been recently renovated. And the art is really kind of mid moddy mm-hmm. It's really kitschy. Uh, every floor kind of has its own dedicated theme. Like one is cruise lines. Uh, you know, Match it's all this covers. 1950s and oh, 60s wow. art. Uh, one was matchbook covers. One was restaurant menus. You know, all sorts of stuff like that. So that was really cool. Airline also. ads. Airline and then one ads. was decorated with yeah. air. One floor was decorated with airline. So ads. the Queen Capulani used to be just a okay three star hotel, but they have really upped their game. And uh, yes. we, we enjoyed our time there. And I, I should mention the artist, but I can't remember his name. But all of his work that he's done for the hotel is also for sale in the in the gift shop. And who bought a lot mm. of they his stuff? They have a little stuff. art we gallery did. there, yeah. Yeah, we bought oh, <laughs> quite well, had, a few had, of his things. Yeah, they had really great prints for like 25 bucks each. And it's, yeah. it's like, how can yeah. you go And wrong they were with whimsical that, so. and funny. And yeah. he's just this young dude. And they really capture the kind of shag look. We'll post some of those on the Facebook group. Yes, yes. The, it was just a lot of fun. And then I did go to the Royal Hawaiian. There's so much history oh, at yeah. the Royal Hawaiian. And I walked around. They had photos. See, I, I wouldn't have known about any of these things if it weren't for the mid-modcast because we did that episode about traveling to Hawaii before we left. And I also saw the Charles Phoenix show um, about Hawaiian travel. And so there were lots of photos of um, 
the Lurleen, um, Matsonia oh, lines. Yeah. It was like Hilo nice. Hattie performing right oh, on cool. the Matsonian. So it was kind of cool because I, I'm like, ah, I know about all of this stuff. And then they talked about, they had a whole exhibit to the fashions too of what these women wore on their cruise ships. And it was like an outfit for every occasion. And the food, they had menus, they had some of the napkins, some of the silverware of the Matson lines, which was, you know, the premier line from California to Hawaii, which I talked about in our latest, po- no, not the latest podcast, but the <coughs> one we did right before we left. Well, and the penthouse yeah. level at our hotel, the Queen Capilani was all dedicated to Matson cruise yes, lines and stuff. Correct. So oh, wow. You go up yeah. to the 19th yeah. floor, you can see all the old mats and posters. And that was everything. a really fun hotel for the decor it was, it and was. the the beach, the bar and the restaurant. They were it was pretty fun. So we like just it. out of curiosity, at the Royal Hawaiian, did you have one of their um uh Mai Tais? Um we have in the past, but not oh, this okay. time around. Yeah. yeah. Or no, maybe I'm, we did because we, we did eat there. Yeah, we we ate at Azure, which is their it's oh, it's nice. like their five star restaurant there, right yeah. on the beach. It's we really fine. A lot of money for a dinner. Oh yeah, we did. <laughs> been, been, been there. Yeah, now. but our names were on the menu. It was a pricks, yeah, were, pricks yeah. fix prefix menu, oh, yeah. and they had you, our you names actually. Posted a picture of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to love a menu with your name printed on. Yeah, it. and we got to watch a couple get engaged there too, oh, yeah. which was kind of so fun. Romantic. Very very so cool. Romantic. I was like poking Craig. Look look look. He's got a box. Oh, <laughs> Hey, Paula was very excited. I think Paula was more excited than the bride. I think I kind of was. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they were a beautiful couple in a beautiful setting. I was like, mm, this is yeah. pretty nice. So anyway, if you want to find us on the internet or on Facebook, we are on Facebook, uh, The Midmodcast. Just look us up there yes, at the internet. Please. Our website is midmodcast.com. You can Gmail us. You can email us at midmodcast at gmail.com. Paul, if people wanted to call and leave a phone message. Yes, they can call us, 216-309-2204, Oh, far call, no. Oh, far. I almost sounded <laughs> like I was from St. Louis. That's <laughs> my St. Louis coming in. Oh, far. Farty far. You're going to get on farty far until he yes. takes a far? Pa- yes. Uh, yeah, I know. So... <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. Yes. So call us. Have so you do. checked our email lately? Speaking of email, miss? we do have emails that, <laughs> well, since we haven't recorded in two months. Oh, uh, I'm so sorry. We've got emails that so, go way so, back. So good to be back. Yeah. Yes. It is. It is. And we promise we'll, well, no, I'm going on vacation again. I don't I make no promises. Oh. <laughs> you are going on vacation? Well, it might be another year or two. <laughs> okay. but I'm going to go on vacation. I think again. we're still paying for that last one, unfortunately. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to line up more shows to post uh, while we're on vacation. Yes. Yes. yes there you yeah. Go. So once again, you can email us at midmodcast at gmail.com. Andrew writes, this is just a short note to let you know how much I love Midmodcast. I binged on five episodes last night and found it delightful. One of the episodes was your wonderful Q&A with Charles Charles Phoenix. He got Charles's name wrong. It's That's okay. okay. A source of endless fun. <laughs> they were all on uh, they were all on topics near and dear to my heart. Gilligan's Island 1961 TV in the 50s, Charles Phoenix cocktails. Uh, the last one I plan to listen to again. Oh, he's going to listen to it again. As I love it. As someone with a love for th- Thanks, all things Andrew. mid-century, particularly pop popular culture of the era i'm really looking forward to future episodes the show contains the perfect balance of enlightening information and enjoyable discussion please keep up the great work you have one more dedicated fan in canada i'm sure this list is getting longer and longer up here well thank you andrew i i've been in touch with andrew he's actually oh. a history professor and he specializes kind of in the cold war era and oh, wow. uh, I'm hoping right. that we'll we'll have him on as a guest. And yeah, he's from awesome. Waterloo, Canada. Ontario. Yes, Waterloo. Oh, wow. That's okay. uh, that's just the other side of Niagara. That's, oh, really? Yeah. That's not that far from the no, old Cleveland once, area. Uh, once the Canadian border opens up, maybe he can just come on down and do the show. Yeah, fantastic. Like Four-hour drive. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah. I love the email. Our next one comes from Daniel Simmer. And, uh, oh, I don't know. I think he is from Michigan. At least he was uh, raised in Michigan. And so really nice. Thanks, Andrew, for writing. Thanks, Andrew and Daniel, for writing in. Hello, I came across your podcast last Christmas. Christmas, 
hello, and have spent the last four months binge listening to all your shows. Wow. I hope he's okay. <laughs> I have been collecting mid-century modern furniture and home decor, as well as vinyl records and mid-century movies since the 90s. Wow. You got a vinyl collector here, Craig. Yeah. And Dave, I have found your podcast very interesting as it aligns with my many interests. While listening to your last show about MCM homes in Florida, it reminded me of the town I grew up in, Midland, Michigan. I don't know much about this, but I've been looking it up. That's me. As an aside, <laughs> Midland is the home to the headquarters of Dow Chemical. Eldon B. Dow, the son of the founder of Dow Chemical, Herbert Henry Dow, was an architect who studied with Frank Lloyd Wright. Interesting. He then came to Midland and started designing MCM homes and buildings. Dow Chemical was growing throughout this <coughs> mid-century period, and there were many scientists and chemical engineers, as well as businessmen, moving to Midland to work for Dow. And Eldon B. Dow was designing homes for many of them. There were also other architects in the area that were designing MCM homes, some, were, some of which had studies with Eden B. Dow. Eldon also designed um, mid-century modern buildings around Midland, such as the library, schools, the community center, Center for the Arts, and many businesses around town. There are mid-century modern homes spattered all over Midland, ranging from the super high end to homes for the average Joe. There is even a styrofoam dome house that was built back in the 60s. I need to go there. Wow. One wow. of the best examples of high-end mid-century modern architecture is Eldon B. Dow's own home and his studio. His home is a time capsule of affluent MCM living, fully furnished with MCM furniture and is open for tours. Road trip. Yeah, I was just yeah. thinking road trip. You may already know all of this. <laughs> Actually, I don't know any of this, so thank you, Dan. You may already know all of this, but I thought that you or some of your listeners in and around Michigan, woo, Michigan listeners, may find this interesting. I am attaching a link to a website that talks about mid-century architecture in Midland. I believe they even have a phone app that you can download that will help you find MCM mm -hmm. architecture as you drive around Midland. Well, I hope you find this interesting and keep up the great work on the Mid Modcast, Dan. And he included the link, which well, I, I've we'll been looking to, at. Uh, yeah, we'll have to post that on uh, on our Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. that was a great email. Thank yeah. you, Dan. Yeah, thank you. I know as Ohioans, we're supposed to hate Michiganders, but yeah, we're from California. To be, yeah, rivalry. But here. we don't. We don't follow. Such I'm going to read the last one here. Hello, Midmodcast crew. I'm an avid listener to your show and miss it when you don't have a weekly show. Oh. Keep up the great work. I live in Elgin, Elgin, Illinois, about 40 to 50 miles due west of Chicago, and a new tiki bar has opened here. I'm not a bar person, but just sharing. So if you are ever in the area, check it out. Let me know. I'd love to meet you all. And uh, there's a Facebook link for the bar here. Yeah. Again, really, really love the show. It's a highlight of my week. Take care. Now this person's last name. Brace yourselves, folks. Sinatra. Chris Sinatra. What? Yes. Chris Sinatra. I love I don't know if Chris is related to Frank, but wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna make believe that Chris is related to Chris Frank. Sinatra wow. from Elgin, Illinois. Have either of you guys been to is it Elgin? I've been through Elgin. Okay. I have not. I okay. To my knowledge. Vicarage okay. or internship year. But we do love Chicago for the Tiki experience. Oh, yeah. oh, boy. One of our favorite. Thank you, <laughs> listeners. Keep up. Keep sending that email. Yeah. I've been actually checking the email pretty regularly, and so I appreciate it. Wonderful Awesome stuff. to hear from you. So anyway, today we're talking about daytime television in the mid-century, and uh, we've got some fun stuff ahead. I guess uh, Paula, you're you're up first. Wow, bang, I am bang, <laughs> just like I'm that. up. You know, no clever little like stories or anything from you, Craig. Like, nah, I'm all, all right. out. All right, you're a housewife. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to make up one really quick. You're a housewife, and you're maybe is... if uh, if I had some of Mother's little helpers, you know, the little volumes or Ooh. something. Yes. Yeah, year, I yeah. said the year is 1954, maybe. Maybe I'll just say you're a kid at home and you're sick that day and, and a, a wonderful, smiley, energetic man just kind of pops onto your television with a dog and the dog is doing tricks and you're like, 
hmm, what is this? This looks really Would fun. Would this happen to be a little terrier of some sort? No, he wasn't a terrier. Oh. No, he I'm was kind of a bigger dog, and his name was Charlie, I believe. And he's doing some tricks, and this man goes, go get your mom. Go get your dad. Go get grandma. Go get everybody. Let's bring them all into the living room. And... You know, tell them all about me. We got a fitness, some kind of fitness thing going on. And then so the little boy goes, okay. You know, because the man is just really friendly, really vivacious. And I think the little boy would say, oh, boy, swell. Swell. <laughs> and he'd go get his mom, go get grandma. <laughs> or maybe you're just a mom who's just, you know, looking at her flabby thighs and, you Ooh. know, and you're just like, oh, like I do. And you're just, he calls it the hangover. You got a hangover, but not the kind from partying the night before. Everything's just hanging over too much. Oh. <laughs> so you, this nice man appears, nice energetic man appears on your TV and he has this. Come on, get out of your easy chair, your easy chair, your easy chair. Come on, get out of your easy chair. Trimnastic time again. Trimnastic time again. Trimnastic time again. Yep. Trim First, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, and rest. One, two. Very good. Take a deep breath. Inhale. Come on. Blow it out. Again, let me hear it. Yep. We've got the Jack LaLanne show. Jack LaLanne. He is going, you're going to go into your trimnastics <laughs> and Trim you're going to get fit, right? Get off your easy, easy chair as he just sang in the song. And we've got Jack LaLanne known as the godfather of fitness and one of the very first bodybuilders as well. Now, I actually didn't know much about Jack LaLanne, but I sure remember his show and daytime television when I was a little kid that he had that jumpsuit on and I'm like, yeah, he was Jack Lane. He did his, he had like a magic bullet. I remember he always was like pushing the juicer and stuff when I was older. His show ran from 1951, brace yourselves, to 1985. Oh, wow. I'm like, I had no idea. Yep. He had his little half hour exercise program for that many years. And um, he was... Born in 1914. That guy looked great. Wow. He always looked the same. And he passed away in 2011 at the age of 96. Wow. And his show was, he's from, uh, he was, a, his show was broadcast locally in San Francisco um, at first just to promote his gym and his fitness stuff. But it was picked up for national syndication in 1959 and it became the longest running exercise program. So, I mean, this is before uh, Richard Simmons, way before Jane Fonda. Right. He was the original, the godfather. So in his book, The Jack LaLanne Way to Vibrant Health, he wrote that as a boy, he was actually addicted to sugar and junk food. All he ate was just junk. And he had these like violent episodes um, directed at himself and others. He was this miserable kid. His life was hell. He had this bad temper, headaches, chronic headaches, bulimia. And he actually had a dropout of high school at like age 14 for six months or a year. And then he heard of this health food pioneer called Paul Bragg, and he was giving this talk on health and nutrition, and he was focusing on the evils of meat and sugar. And it, this, he and his mom were at this seminar, and he actually got there a little bit late, and there was no room, and uh, Paul Bragg actually invited he and his mom onto the stage. He grabbed a couple chairs because they were about to leave, and he, this kid was so miserable and so... Uh, you know, had so many health problems that he just soaked up all of this information. And he just completely, as he says in this book, he completely changed his life after Bragg's, Bragg's message. And he started just focusing on his diet and exercise. He, In his words, he says, I was born again. And besides his new focus on nutrition, he began working out every single day. And he was actually the first person to open he actually opened the very first fitness club, Juice Bar Health Food Store in 1936. Wow. wow. I just thought, 30s. whoa, 1936 in Oakland, California. And it was called the Jack LaLanne Physical Culture Studio. And he was actually really ridiculed because you think of back in those days, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. you want us to pay to 
have us exercise? You know, they just thought that was really ridiculous, charging people money to start exercising. Doctors, um, he was heavy into weightlifting, and that was unheard of in those days. Doctors told him he would give men heart attacks and make them lose their sex drive. And women, if they did this, they would look like men. And actually, in those days, coaches banned their athletes from weightlifting because they would said they would be muscle-bound and slow. But Jack O'Lane hmm. completely changed that. It is actually the prototype for the modern-day gym. And even some of the leg-lifting um, exercise equipment was actually designed by Jack LaLanne. Uh, some of the stuff that we still use today, some of the... Um, yeah, I think it was like wait, leg curl or leg extension. Yeah, leg extension. And he designed his own gym equipment. And he, when he was on the air, he promoted his power juicer as well. And this show, when you think about the show, it was noted for his min, minimal, minimalist, can you say that? Minimalist, mm, very good. is that right? Set, where Jack, I, I watched a few episodes where he had a, ch had a chair and he inspired his and viewers to just use these home objects. So they always had to grab a chair and you grab under the chair and you perform the exercises along with him. He always wore that jumpsuit and <laughs> he urged his audience, it says, with the enthusiasm of an evangelist to get off the couch and copy his basic movements and a matter a matter that is considered the forerunner of today's fitness videos. By the way, that jumper, if you watch the marvelous <laughs> Mrs. Maisel, Oh. Tony Shalhoub has one when they're out at the resort, and it is fantastic. Oh, I know Craig brought saying. that up. I'm, I'm like, like, I'm watching Jacqueline. I'm having Tony Shalhoub flashbacks from because he Maisel. was doing his morning exercises <laughs> wearing the jumpsuit. Mrs. Maisel's father. I think that was a nod to Jack. I really. I did. didn't even think Probably. of that. Yeah. And then so they said he was one of the earliest of the early television's great pitchmen as well. He had a lot of charisma, vitality, and he's determined to make everyone look and feel better. And he used rubber cords, chairs, broomsticks when he needed some props for exercising. And so much of his audience were stay-at-home moms. And his wife, Elaine, got into the show, too, to demonstrate that the, the exercises aren't going to ruin your figure as a woman. <laughs> so she was a kind of the, the person who says, you know, that doing these things aren't going to make you also all muscular and all this. It's, this is good for you. And he used his white German shepherd dog, Happy. So he had a German happy. shepherd, happy dog <laughs> in his program. And the tricks would attract the children to go to the program. So Lelaine would say, you go get your mother or daddy, grandmother, grandfather, whoever's in the house. You go get them and make sure they exercise with me. And then later on, um, another dog was used and his name was Walter. And Walter stood for we all love to exercise regularly. <laughs> You, nice. Huh? Yes. So I didn't know this about Jack Lane at all. My husband knew this. Craig knew this. But he would attract his listener by doing these crazy, crazy stunts. Did you oh, remember yeah. this, Dave? I did not on his, know this. On his birthday, usually. On his birthday. Oh, was, yeah. W wouldn't you do something like tie a rope around his waist and try to pull a car or something? Yeah, things like that. And he more, did like more like a train. I mean, yeah, he did put he got the record. Cars. He's like in the Guinness Book record for oh, push-ups wow. and stuff. So one of them, these are these are insane. This he had two handcuffed swims from Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco to Alcatraz Island. Um the first time the first one was at Oh, the second one was at age 60, and he towed 1,000 pound, a 1,000 pound boat behind him. And there were police e escorts. There, these are sharks in that. Oh, yeah. That's why yeah, Alcatraz oh, wow. is there, because yeah. prisoners can't escape very well. The, the water is freezing, and even yes. if you can swim, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's only a mile out to Alcatraz, but right. it's shark-infested waters. So the police said that they saw two sharks 20 feet away from him. And so he was uh, towing this boat behind him. Handcuffed. He, handcuffed. Handcuffed. He had a record setting <laughs> wow. um, more than 1,000 push-ups in 23 minutes. Uh, he pulled 65 boats for a mile for his 65th birthday. For his 75th, 70th birthday. Wait, how many boats? 65. 65 boats. What? For 65 They're like years. little rowboats. I remember that. Rowboats. Yeah. yeah. And then... Um, 70 rowboats for his 70th birthday in Queen Mary across the Long Beach Harbor. 
um, to Queens Queensway Bridge. Took two and a half hours. He didn't pull the Queen Mary. No. No. That, uh, it sounded like you said boats, the Queen Mary. Sorry. I'm like, no, Long Beach Harbor, Queensway Bridge. So okay. from Long Beach to Queensway. Um, at age 61 in the year 1975, um, you know, after he'd already done the Golden Gate Bridge underwater thing. So he managed to swim the length of the Golden Gate Bridge underwater with the help of scuba gear. So, um, oh man, I've got everything out of order. I'm just going to read it the way I have it Go as a it. dizzy blonde. <laughs> so at the age of 61, he did it again. But this time, yeah, I already mentioned that a thousand pound boat, hands and feet bound. And then so he kept doing like he would always do these feats and then up the ante. So um, so at the age of 62 um, in 1976, to mark our, you know, our big 200th birthday, he towed 13 aluminum skiffs, which re represented the 13 colonies for a mile along the Long Beach Harbor. So wow. the skiffs actually contained 76 children, 76, huh. which represented America's youth. LaLanne's feet were bound and his hands were cuffed above his head. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? His so how cuff? how was he able to have motion when his hands are did he like, like do Aquaman? the dolphin kick or something? Wait, were they cuffed behind his back? No, they were cuffed above his head. Oh, okay. oh so, so he could he, use his arms. Yeah, he could kind okay. of frog, do the uh, fish. frog swim kind of thing. Yeah. But his feet okay. were bound. <laughs> So he probably looked kind of like Aquaman <laughs> yeah. doing this Weird. Wow. with 13 aluminum skiffs with 76 children. So he would always do these stunts and then up the ante. I'm like, this he is not a young man doing this crazy right. stuff. So anyway, wow. today I was watching Jack Lane and doing the fitness because there are full length programs on on uh, YouTube and some small length programs. So I am going to challenge myself every day this week <laughs> to do his show because it's really oh, fun yeah. there's like the nice ham and bee beef oh the organ playing 16. is fantastic on this well, thing they, we've already played the clip i know but it's just a <laughs> yeah i like the breathe yes. in <laughs> breathe out and i thought i would probably like to be the organist on the show not the exorcist but i'm going to sincerely challenge myself to be a 1950s housewife and do the show so if anybody's up for that challenge <laughs> i will report back next week when we talk about the olympics if yeah. you can find a jumper in my size, I'll join you. <laughs> oh, well, oh challenge accepted. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Paula, if it tastes good, what do you do, according to Jack? Oh, my goodness. He said, if this is his one of his quotes, if, if it's not from nature, if it's man-made, don't eat it. And if it tastes good, spit it out. Wow. I don't want to live that way. No, I, that's that's because I do think apples wow. and healthy things taste good, too. So, hey, Paul, a really quick question was was Jack LaLanne his r real name, mm -hmm. like his given name? Or yes, was I do believe name? I do believe so. Wow, I didn't read anything different. So yeah, if, if you go online and look for pictures of Jack, <gasps> he was, I mean, he was like Schwarzenegger built. I mean, he was, mm -hmm. he, you know, I think that that's where they got the term. That guy's jacked because he, he was kind he of was the jacked. He was I mean, kind of the first bodybuilder. He was ripped to the bone and he was big. I mean, he, even though he's only like five foot five or something like that. I mean, he was just yeah. Buff. He was a short man, but he was wow. Yeah, yeah. He, Arnold Schwarzenegger. There's a quote by him in there, and just other fitness buffs that just owe so much to Jack Lalanne. He, he was quite the specimen. Yeah, I'll really. post it pictures. So is that it? Anything yeah, else? You're up. No, actually, Dave's up. <laughs> oh, I went out of order. Dave. Hey, that's okay. Dave, I'm sorry, Dave. Dave. Take it away. Alan Marsh. Love how he does <laughs> Thank that. Thank you, Alan um, Marsh. So, yeah, so once you get your fitness routine out of the way and, you know, get into the 
housework routine, I guess. I'd say recovery um, mode. Recovery, recovery mode. mode. Sitting on the easy chair again. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> or on a, big, a big scratchy sofa. They always seem to be scratchy back in the day. But, yeah. um, so uh, you might turn on a, a game show. And we've explored daytime game shows here on the Mid-Modcast on previous apps. Yes. In episode 28, Eps. if you're a new listener and you haven't caught up, uh, episode 28, Paula talked about truth or consequences. Craig talked about the price is right. And I talked about match game. But another very popular game show that was a fixture of daytime TV during the 60s and 70s was Hollywood Squares. And just as a side note, you two, originally there was a the in the title, you know, much like how sometimes we have a the yeah. in our show's website, email uh-huh. address, et cetera. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Sorry, <laughs> just thought I'd throw that in there. So originally it was the Hollywood Squares, and then they dropped it to just Hollywood Squares. So the show was a staple on NBC's daytime programming from 1966 to 1980 and was originally produced by i don't know if it's hater or heater quigley productions which i don't think quite has the same ring to it as mark goodson bill todman production yeah i know right (laughs) this has been a mark goodson bill todman production anyway so the show's host was peter marshall throughout the original series run do you guys remember like in the 80s and beyond who the uh host was or at least one of them oh gosh if you say i'll i'll go yeah that's right but john starts with the d davidson, uh, davidson. John davidson. Oh. remember john, john davidson? davidson he was a handsome do, guy but, Very <laughs> but i wasn't gonna say that I, that yeah. wasn't the one you were thinking of. No. i remember right. the john davidson show isn't there? Oh, I was no. thinking Billy Barty. Oh, maybe I'm no, I wasn't. Oh, Billy Barty. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm thinking about <clears throat> Davis. I miss right. Billy Barty. So, um, and, and of course, most of our fan base is familiar with that famous three-tiered tic-tac-toe set mm-hmm. with each square of the set occupied by a celebrity. The format went like this. There were two civilian contestants who sat on either <laughs> side of Peter Marshall, who was behind a podium. And each contestant was designated as either an X or an O. And do do you guys remember as you're looking at your TV screen, can you remember like was X on the left and O was on the right or? I'm going to say X is on the left, but I'm not sure. It was on the left. I probably just gave the answer away. But um, anyway, um, uh, so X was to Marshall's right and uh, contestant O was to Marshall's left. And by the way, contestant X was typically male while contestant O was female. Oh, interesting. I never noticed that. Um, So a basic game consisted of a contestant selecting a celebrity's square, and then the celebrity was asked a question. The celebrity player would respond, and then the civilian player had to agree or disagree with their response. If the civilian player agreed, essentially saying that the celebrity's answer was right, and it was right, um, then uh, their symbol X or O went below the name of the celebrity. And if they disagreed or said, no, that's not the right answer, but it actually was the right answer, um, then the opponent's O would go on the celebrity's name underneath their name. Um, and of course, you know, they were, they were trying to win each round with tic-tac-toe three in a row or, or players could also win by just having the most squares won. Oh yeah. So if it worked out that it, you know, wasn't three in a row, whoever had the, the greatest number of squares with their symbol won that round. Uh, There was also a secret square round where a celebrity square was shown to the home audience with a shot of the celebrity occupying it, but the contestants didn't know who it was. Um, It consisted, yeah. I didn't remember Um, that. So they would like zoom in on a particular 
celebrity and say the secret square or I don't know what they said oh, but anyway okay. they would they would let the audience know somehow um that that was the celebrity the secret celebrity um and that round uh the secret secret square round typically consisted of a mul multiple choice question and included extra prizes or cash hmm. yeah um and then much like Match Game, uh, there were several celebrities who regularly regularly appeared on Hollywood Squares. Can can you guys Oh yeah top of your head? Paul Lind. Oh, Paul Lind. Yeah, of course. And great. George Goble. <laughs> George Goble. Mm -hmm. Right. And then oh I, I can see her face. She had that kind of zesty Oh, and I can't think Rosemary? of her. Rosemary? Oh, Rosemary. I, that's not even who I was thinking of no. from the Dick okay. Van Dyke show. I was show. thinking Rosemary. Oh, you were? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you named quite a few of them, uh, Paula. Uh, right. Although, unlike Match Game, the, um, the celebrities didn't necessarily sit in a designated square every single time. Because remember on Match Game, you know, they were all in the, essentially the same order every week. Oh. I always get Match two. Game and Hollywood Squares confused with the stars. I, <laughs> oh, I, I, can't, I was thinking oh, Brett right. Summers. I'm thinking of Brett Summers. Exactly. From and Got she's it. a Match Game person. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, you mentioned Rosemary, George Goebel, Charlie Weaver. Do you guys remember Charlie Weaver? Oh. He wore the old man hat. He had a, oh, like yeah, a white yeah, mustache. Yeah. yeah. Um, Buddy Hackett. Right, oh, right. fantastic. And then uh, somebody as a kid, I for a short time had a crush on. Do you guys remember Karen Valentine? Oh, yes. yeah. Room 222. Yeah, room 222. Yeah. Right? Yes, she's cute. Yeah. So uh, those were some of the, the regular, um, regular celebrities on Hollywood Squares. But Paula, as you already mentioned, perhaps the most famous of the celebrity contestants. And for many years, the center square was none other than Paul Lind, uh, famous for his zingers or one-liners before saying the real answer to a question. Lind was known for his campy and snarky uh, <laughs> personality. I'm Charlie Paul Lind. Paul Lind, of course. Paul, true or false, studies at the University of Wisconsin show that you'll probably live longer if you love only one man or woman at a time. But it is all right to alternate. <laughs> uh, live longer if you love one man or one woman. Uh, yeah, probably true. I will disagree. Yes, it is true. Yeah. Put a circle there. <laughs> and so in, a, in, a, in addition, so do you guys... Think think back to your childhood. Where, where else do you remember seeing Paul Lynn other than on? The oh match? yeah, Bewitched. Bewitched. Uncle Arthur. Bewitched. Uncle Arthur, right? So, uh, in addition to his daytime run on Hollywood Squares, he was also famous for playing Samantha Stevens's Uncle Arthur on Bewitched, as well as do you guys remember this character, <laughs> the befuddled father Harry McAfee in both the theatrical and filmed productions of Bye Bye Birdie. Of course. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. 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 Kids. Kids. Yeah, that's that's kids. these kids today. <laughs> darn kids. Uh, hey, here's a bit of trivia. Before he was cast as Uncle Arthur on Bewitched, he actually appeared in a season one episode where he played a driving instructor for Samantha. Huh. Do you guys remember? Oh, this I do kind of remember it was, that. Season one was in black and white, so it was one of the black and white episodes. Oh. Um, Elizabeth Montgomery and her husband slash producer Bill Asher liked his performance so much that they asked him to take on a recurring role. Oh, oh cool! Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, and then, uh, you know, like a lot of those character actors in the '60s, he could also be seen in a variety of shows like. The Patty Duke Show, The Munsters, I Dream of Jeannie, yes. and The Dean Martin Show. Yeah. And then I, I love this quote. Um, Lind once said that while he would rather be recognized as a serious actor, quote, we live in a world that needs laughter. And I've decided if I can make people laugh, I'm making an important contribution. Oh, unquote. I love Isn't that it. a great quote? Yeah. yeah. And by the way, 
I, I can't believe it's been this long. We lost Paul Lynn way back in 1982. Oh, wow. And he, and he was only 55. You're wow. kidding. No. I'm, I, yeah. I had no idea. Just a kid. Yeah. yeah. And and supposedly he, <laughs> he, he died alone and oh. like a friend or somebody went to check up on him because he hadn't heard from him and um, found him dead. Oh, you know, so they didn't Hollywood suspect whatever. that. Like oh. a heart attack or something? It, it was ruled a heart attack by yeah. the coroner. Okay. Yeah. Oh, man. So, That's tragic. Yeah. <laughs> a fun. And of course, you know, we've talked about this before. When you, when I, as a kid, watched Hollywood Squares and Match Game, I did not. That stuff went over my head. Right. <laughs> I did not get the jokes. A lot of Why double entendres. Exactly. Really? Um, so anyway. So uh, if you watched it now, it'd be really a different oh, experience. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, and I watched a few clips on uh, YouTube, which is where I got the ones we just played. Um, <laughs> some of them I'm like, wow, how did that get past oh, the censors really? back in 1971 or whatever? But there you go. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I think they're coming out a, a, with a movie about Paul Lind. Oh, really? Oh, that'd be cool. It's called like The Man in the Square or something like that. Oh. I can't. Did you hear about anything? Because I knew maybe with COVID and everything, but it was it was such a clever name. It was like the, something about the man in the square or something oh. like, oh, of course, that's Paul Lind yeah, <laughs> and the man in the center that's square. Awesome. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yes. Did you ever see I think it was on the our favorite Facebook site, the mid-century modern madness of the atomic age somebody posted a picture of the back of hollywood squares oh yes i have seen that you see, isn't that a it trip had like a spiral staircase on both sides leading up to the middle and third tier yeah right. and you can tell yeah. who's in there from their yeah. backs and it was somebody who was on a studio tour it was such a fascinating picture and they sat in those awesome um eames uh tulip chairs oh yeah 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 <laughs> The tulip chair. Nice. Fabulous. So, Craig, I'm, st I'm starting to feel a, a little hungry. Um, you, well, you got after your after workout, workout, you've had your workout, you've been resting in your chair, your watching Hollywood Squares, and now it's time to have a little something to eat. So imagine the camera is focused on a glass of wine. And in comes a man who snatches it, runs out in the middle of the audience, shakes a bunch of hands, jumps over a dining room chair, Whoa. and heads straight to the bar where he sits on a bar stool. And of course, what's behind the bar? Bunch of rifles, because, you know, what could go wrong with guns and booze? Nothing could go wrong. And his name is Graham Kerr. And the show is The Galloping Gourmet. Uh, after he visits the bar, we go to a break, and he launches into preparing a dish. But first, there's a travel log involved. <gasps> this sounds—he sounds fun already. It is a <laughs> lot of fun. I've been watching the Galloping Gourmet recently, <laughs> and uh, I—you know—you have taken on the Jack Lane challenge. I'm thinking about making a bunch of Graham Cares recipes. Oh, that sounds yes. awesome! Uh, complete with aspic. Oh no. <laughs> no, 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 no! He did a uh, game pate. Ew. Which was rabbit, elk, duck, and what? some other stuff. Sausage was in there. And then he, he made that into like a loaf. And then he made aspic with the drippings. And then he dropped it into the aspic. And it actually looked pretty good. It, it wow. was not, it wasn't as disturbing as you think. Hey, uh, but no, Craig, because um, I don't know how long they've been around. How do you make a pate in the early... 70s or late 60s well, you, without a uh, yeah, food processor? processor. Yeah, you basically have a sausage grinder. Oh, it's oh. a grinder. Yeah. Okay, okay. The, the, uh, what it. are those uh, KitchenAid mixers with the grinding attachment? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I, did, I wasn't thinking. So, yeah. yeah. So he, he used that basically. And of course, Kara uh, was a really interesting guy. It is. He's still kicking. He's, he's 87 years mm. old. But wow. uh, anyway, he, he just was so full of energy when he was young and everything. He, he just brought so much fun and joy to cooking. Of course, most of us, we think of Julia Child when we think of daytime cooking. We don't necessarily think immediately of the Galloping Gourmet. And a lot of that is because he came to America a little later. He came actually to Canada. 
Uh, he was born in London to Scottish parents, and they were hoteliers. They, they ran hotels. And so Kerr grew up in a hotel, and his father, he's got this 8, 10-year-old kid on his hands, and he's, what do I do to keep this guy out of, out of trouble? They had this French chef. And so he took care into he took Graham into the kitchen and the French chef took him under his wing and he gave him an onion. He said, chop this up. And uh, Graham chopped it up. And then the chef called all the sous chefs over and everything. And they laughed at Graham for quite a while. But they they all adopted him. So he started he started cooking in a French chef's kitchen when he was like eight years old. It's amazing. So this became just part of him. Uh, he grew up, he got a little education, and uh, he was running hotels also, like his father. And, of course, he ended up in the military because there's compulsory service. And he ended up in New Zealand in the Air Force. And his father said, as an officer, you don't want to work. They call it the catering service. You don't want to work in the food services as an officer. You don't want to. And so he tried to avoid it, but he got sucked into it anyway. So he ended up running... The, all of the kitchens for the Air, the Royal Air Force in New Zealand in 1958. In 1959, he had such big personality, they kind of turned him into a PR machine for the military, I guess. <laughs> and he started hosting a television show called I- Entertaining with Care. Uh, and he showed up in his military uniform, and he did a cooking program, and he was widely successful with this in New Zealand. He put out a cookbook, and it was a big seller. Uh, he won a Penguin Award, which I have no idea what that is, for Personality of the Year. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, so he did that for a few years. In 1964, he moved up in the world to Sydney, Australia. He was uh, taken on by a guy named Harry Miller, who uh, managed talent, and he became Harry's biggest talent. And there he is cooking. He's doing the show in uh, Australia. He, he starts writing more cookbooks. He becomes a huge national success. And of course, now the next thing is we need to move to a bigger market. And he gets an offer to move to Canada and to basically do Canadian and American television. He ended up in the late 1960s with a lucrative offer from Fremantle of Canada. And Care starts the Galloping Gourmet television program 1969 is named for his on-screen persona which was taped it was taped in ottawa canada uh produced by his wife trina care who was an actress in her own right and uh she the the title comes from uh the fact that he had traveled across europe with other gourmets and they they uh-huh. called themselves the Galloping Gourmets because they were travelers oh. so it was a 35 world world 35 day worldwide trek to the finest restaurants on the globe. Now, there's oh, wow. a trip that I think the Mid-Modcast should undertake. Right uh, we we need to walk in the steps yeah, of Graham. Uh, the Talk show, about expensive dinners. Whew. Well, yeah, we better save our pennies. <laughs> yeah. we, we need sponsorships. Uh, the show was taped in front of a live audience. So unlike Julia Child, he had an audience with probably 70, 80 people in it, and he would interact a lot with them. And uh, so anyway, Kara would... As I said, he'd come out, he'd greet the audience, he'd shake hands and everything, and then he would use a lot of humor. And as he's cooking, he'd, he'd like kind of crinkle his nose like, ew, that's a disgusting kind of ingredient <laughs> to put in here. I don't know. But, of course, it always turned out to be awesome. He used copious amounts of butter, cream, and fat, and he Oof. loved all of these things. This is wow. good food, right? But so it, it's okay because you're working out to Jack Lane. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. So a fam- famous line in his show, uh, someone had criticized him. He said, Madam, you could go outside and get run over by a bus and just think of what you would have missed. <laughs> <laughs> right. So he also liberally featured wine. And, and I remember being a kid watching, watching Graham Kerr, the Galloping Gourmet. And uh, is a cup of wine for the recipe and a cup of wine for me kind of thing. And so- oh, nice. <laughs> well, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that, Craig. As a kid, he was on our our local PBS affiliate. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. I don't know if that's where you watched it. Right, but, yeah. um, I, I always kind of got the impression he was more of a, like a comedian slash entertainer who, oh, just by the way, happened to also be a chef. Right. 
Right. So, so yeah, so I mean, I laughed he, harder, and I don't think I really paid attention oh. <laughs> to the food that much, but I thought he was hilarious. Well, the food critics, uh, one of them said that he was the Liberace of cooking. You know, oh, it was just all, all flash and flash. fluff, and yeah. But Liberace was also an excellent musician. He was, so. he was, but you know, he was, he was a lot of show. Yeah. Uh, the Galloping Gourmet was a head. It earned two Emmy Award nominations. He oh. never won one, but. Uh, Anyway, uh, some tragedies came along in Kara's life uh, that suspended his television career. In 1971, he and his wife Trina were in a terrible car accident, and he actually broke his back. And uh, he suffered a dislocated spine and a weakened left arm. And he he wore a one-pound bracelet on his weak arm to try to uh, compensate. This was part of his therapy, was to build that arm back up and everything. Uh, Trina had some injuries also. um, And... uh, this stopped his career for a brief period. The doctor said, you know, what? no, I don't know if it was a doctor. I can't remember what he said exactly. It was either a doctor or a therapist or something. He said, you know what's good for you is if you just went on a long, long trip on a sailboat and pulled on a whole bunch of ropes. Oh. And uh, Kara says, well, I've always been a yachtsman, so that sounds good. So he and Trina got in a boat and went around what? the world. Yeah, they just sailed around the world. And he got stronger? <laughs> yeah, he got stronger. And, that is uh, hard. <laughs> yeah, then in 1972, Trina was diagnosed with lung cancer, but oh. it turned out it was just tuberculosis. So they removed a hunk of her lung, and she oh. went back to But uh, still, just uh, that's just it. Uh, <laughs> as a result of the accident and Trina's illness and everything else, they both kind of got strung out on painkillers. and Ooh, um, yikes. He... Developed a little too much of an affection for the wine and ended up being an alcoholic. Oh. And they needed to straighten out their lives. They had a caretaker who who was uh, quite a religious individual, and she got them going to church. And they entered into uh, recovery for their addictions. And they returned back to cooking, but with a little different flavor, considering. Uh, Graham had given up the wine and everything. Oh. Uh, with Trina's illness and everything else. He also had a uh, kind of an enlightenment that he was basically encouraging people to just have heart attacks and strokes. <laughs> and Trina actually had a heart attack oh, with and all a stroke. The ba- the yeah, with all of the wow. fat and everything and else. Wine. So he developed a new kind of cooking he dubbed Mini Max, a new method of food preparation that minimized fat and cholesterol while it maximized aroma, color, texture, and taste. And this led to uh, him being syndicated once again on a whole bunch of different stations, 1990 to 1991, and followed by a run on the Discovery Channel. And uh, so he starred in the PBS show Graham Cares Kitchen also from 92 to 95. And there he approached the cooking with a much healthier aspect, but maximizing flavor. So I want to hmm. I want to look into this whole Minimax thing. Yeah, uh, that's looks, intriguing. Looks really interesting to me, uh, but I really like my butter. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, Trina passed away in ni- or, uh, 2015, and uh, Graham continues to to live, and you can go find him on YouTube with some more recent videos. Oh, he's really? currently 87 years old and lives in Mount, Mount Vernon, Washington. So he's still doing things. Yeah, he's, oh. he, I think he'll never hang it up, you know, he'll, he'll just... Do it until he can't do it anymore. Fantastic. Craig, is that the uh, British G R A E M E Graham? I believe it's Graham. G R A H A M. Like the cracker. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Yes. Anyway, uh, tremendously enjoyable. You go back and you watch all those old episodes from like 1968. (laughs) There's one, the one that he did on the game Pate, he does a, a, a travelogue where he goes, he, he, he does recipes from places that he's visited or that he cooked at various places. So the game pate one, he goes to a pub in England and it's very politically incorrect by 21st century standards, but it is riot. And, uh, he is just so full of joie de vivre. I think that, uh, I, I think it holds up very well and it's fun. And like I said, I'd like to try some of these recipes. I don't know about the, the, pate with the aspect but where are we gonna get all those the crazy truffle, animals too the truffle recipe looks good oh, yeah right. well yeah where are you gonna get some elk meat i well i've got a friend in montana he could send me some. Uh, no yeah. thanks <laughs> <laughs>
So anyway, Graham Care, Galloping Gourmet. Wow, what an afternoon. I mean, what a morning and afternoon we, we have had. We have had a from full school. day of television, and we have gotten exercise, we've stimulated our brains, <laughs> and we've made a fantastic <laughs> dinner. And oh, I think that it's been a great day. And the kids yeah. are about ready to come home from school, oh, yeah. so we're feeling pretty good. That's right. Yeah. And uh, Darren's going to be home from work soon, so we better shake up a martini for him because he's <laughs> yes. Gonna be... <laughs> and whisk Tabitha upstairs so she doesn't bother Dad. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, anyway, I think that's about it for us today, and uh, we'll be back soon. We we promise we won't leave you hanging as long as last time. All right. Till next time. See you next week. Stay swell, folks. Stay swell.